0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, All right, guys. Well, welcome to the pump fake. Uh, So the biggest thing from today, uh, they showed it on Good Morning Football. Pro Football Focus released their top 10 coaches list, their 2022 NFL head coach rankings to be specific on what it was and uh that's what we're gonna focus mostly on today um and look somebody explained this to me on twitter today but it gave my brain it made me tired i guess they ran it through one of their weird analytical things you know it was based off how aggressive a coach is at what point um how many points or it's the weird algorithm that basically it tells us that different head coaches are better than others or more or whatever, regardless it's wrong. And I've said it in the tweet that I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crap on anybody's opinion. Everybody has their own thoughts. I get that. However, if you saw the list and I'm going to go through it here in a minute, if you saw the list. It's a, uh, it's something. It is certainly something. Um, So to go through it, 10 through 6 are Mike McCarthy, Frank Reich, Mike Vrabel, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur Not too much wrong with that, per se I wouldn't have McCarthy in there, don't get me wrong But Vrabel, Reich, Shanahan, LaFleur, that's fine That's fine However, 5 through 1 Pete Carroll Cliff Kingsbury Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. Again, as a whole, there's probably eight guys that belong on that. You could argue where you want to put them. That's fine. Whatever. Major discrepancies here. Major omissions on the PFF list. Um, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury would put himself number four. (laughs) Cliff Kingsbury. What has Cliff Kingsbury done? Since he took over for Arizona, other than get hot at the beginning of consecutive seasons and then crap the bed down the stretch, what has Cliff Kingsbury done? Goodness gracious! And look, Pete Carroll, I there's a good chance Pete Carroll's a Hall of Famer one day. I don't think there. Uh, I would not put him in the top ten at this very moment. Um, and you can argue with that all you want. That's fine. We can all have different opinions. If you would put him in there, that's fine. If I would, he wouldn't be five. Definitely wouldn't be five at this point. You know, from 2013 to 15, 16, whatever. Yeah, he would be in there then. At this point though, I mean, what has Seattle done of late that Garner is putting him in in the top five? And now we go into this year with... Everything going on with them. Obviously, Russell Wilson's no longer there. Name five people on the Seahawks defense. Can you? I don't think I can. Sincerely, I genuinely cannot. Bobby Wagner's gone. Obviously, the Legion of Boom is far and away gone. I don't think I can name five people on the Seahawks defense. I don't know if I can name three people on the Seahawks defense. (laughs) If we're being honest here, I don't know if that is a job that can be done outside of Seattle. If you can, and I see we have a few comments here. Hello, everybody. Um, If you can, (laughs) go ahead and name me three Seahawks defenders. Be my guest. I would love to hear who the second cornerback or third cornerback is for the Seahawks. I can name Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is there. Was it Carlos Dunlap there for a minute? I might mean, think of somebody else. To heat. I know that one of those Bengals uh, defensive linemen went to Seattle. I'm pretty sure it was Carlos Dunlap. I don't know if he's still there, but I know one of them was there at one point. So God only knows what Seattle is going to be this year, plus the whole thing with DK Metcalf not being at minicamp. That's attributed to injury and whatnot that he's still rehabbing, so we'll see what comes of that. He's been floating around trade rumors and whatnot, specifically. Perhaps Green Bay making a move, which would make total sense for, for them. Maybe Tyler Lockett gets moved. One or one and or both of them. We'll we'll see what comes of that. Um, but yeah, Seattle, and again, Pete Carroll definitely had his day. Um, but as of right now, I would not put him in the top ten. I I wouldn't. Um, so let me, let me go through this right now because I made my own top 10, which I think people will find to be better. So here's what we're going to do. We'll turn on a little background music, make this look all professional and fun and whatnot. It's going to be great. So here's what we'll do. We'll play this. There we go. There we go. Now it's fun. All right. So what we'll do, we'll just go through, I'll give you a little bit of a show for each guy that I have in my top 10. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just go like that. So number 10. I have Frank Reich at 10. Um, Frank Reich, 37-28 in his coaching career with Indianapolis. Only had one losing season. He's dealt with a different week one starter every year that he's been there. And he's kept them very relevant. Multiple playoff appearances. We haven't seen a deep playoff run yet from Indianapolis under Frank Reich. We'll see if they can win a playoff game this year. You know, Bringing in Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor is fantastic. Their defense is quietly very good. So... Frank Reich at number nine for the Indianapolis Colts. Number nine, I think Vrabel's fine at nine. Mike Vrabel, uh, you look at what he's done 41 24 in four seasons, never had a losing season, never less than nine wins for Mike Vrabel. Um, trip to the AFC Championship game a few years ago, multiple playoff wins. Um, he just, he's consistent. Uh, he gets the best out of his guys. We'll see what this year holds with Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, they draft him Blake Willis in the third round this year. Uh, so we'll see what comes with that. Uh, but Tennessee, I mean, I think they're going to be in the hunt at the very least. Uh, I like Indianapolis better than them this year. Um, but Tennessee, I mean, with Vrabel, they seem to be guaranteed at least to be hanging around until the very end. Number eight, Matt LaFleur. 39-10 and 10 since he took over for Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. He has had 13 wins in each of his three seasons uh, with the Packers and everybody wants to make the argument oh he's got Aaron Rodgers he's made Aaron Rodgers better you look at his numbers uh pre LaFleur like those few seasons before Matt LaFleur got there and since he's gotten there Aaron Rodgers production has skyrocketed so Matt LaFleur deserves his flowers he deserves all the credit not all he deserves a lot of credit um uh for how well green bay has played um so yeah give Matt LaFleur his flowers give him a lot of credit 39 and 10 as a head coach Multiple deep playoff runs. They just need to get over that San Francisco hump. They need uh, to get to a Super Bowl. Could this year be the year? We'll see. Number seven, Sean McDermott, the Buffalo Bills. McDermott's 49 and 32 since he took over in Buffalo. He helped make Buffalo relevant. Not just relevant, they are a powerhouse in this league. You can make the argument they're the best team in football right now in terms of you know what they've done this offseason, what their roster is on paper. You can make the argument that the Buffalo Bills are the best team in football. They're my favorite in the NFC. Josh Allen just keeps getting better. Um, and look, you, there's not many holes on that team right now. Um, they've drafted really well. Uh, McDermott in stereo with that brilliant front office uh, with Brandon Beat and everything that they've built. Uh, They deserve an immense amount of credit. Sean McDermott was absolutely the right guy to bring in uh, to uh, replace Rex Ryan when they did it. Um, So Sean McDermott is number seven. Number six is Kyle Shanahan. I'm hesitant to like really go in hard on Shanahan because he's got more losing seasons than winning seasons. A lot of that can be attributed to injury. The fact that, you know, they had god awful quarterback play when he got there. So that's fine. Um, Two NFC Championship game appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, um, led by 10 against Kansas City in the fourth quarter. Just let it slip away. Um, We'll see what happens this year with Trey Lance. Um, They don't have an easy schedule. um, So this will be a big proving year, not just for Trey Lance, not just for, you know, the stars on that roster, but for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch too uh, in San Francisco. So Kyle Shanahan is number six. John Harbaugh. You can make the argument that John Harbaugh is the most underrated coach of his era. Um, just consistently in the playoffs, in the hunt, um, and he adapted on the fly when he decided to give Lamar Jackson the nod over Joe Flacco, um, built the offense to Lamar's liking, and just rolled with it. And now, you know, when they're completely completely healthy, they're one of the, uh, the best teams in the NFL, uh, one of the more dangerous teams in the NFL, one of the hardest teams in the NFL to play against um so john harbaugh deserves a ton of credit uh for how successful baltimore has been since he took over in 2008. um a super bowl win to his resume as well so yeah give john harbaugh his flowers fantastic fantastic coach number four sean mcveigh uh sean McVay is the best offensive mind in the game today um you look at the success that he has had already since he took over in was it 2017 uh was his first year with the rams um There's only been one year, I believe, that the Rams haven't made the playoffs. He went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. He's made it to two Super Bowls with completely different starring, completely different guys in starring roles, completely different cast of characters. The first time around, it was Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, Brandon Cooks. This time around, it's Matthew Stafford, um, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald's been there as well and whatnot. You know Jalen Ramsey on this side of it too. Uh, but offensively, I mean, two just completely different cast of characters um, in such a short span of time. And to get to two Super Bowls with all of those moving pieces, that is that speaks to how great Sean McVay is. And I don't think they're done. Uh, would not surprise me to see them back in the Super Bowl this year with all the moves they've made. I know that they've lost a little bit of depth, but when you add Allen Robinson to an already, already really good receiving core, You add Bobby Wagner in the middle of that defense, I mean, that's they're going to be hard to beat, um, and they're likely going to be the favorites in the NFC because of it. So Sean McVay, still extremely young. Uh, I know there's like murmurs about him maybe retiring to take a TV deal this year. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So, I mean, he's still got a ton of time to add more Super Bowls to that resume, and it would not shock me at all if he did it. Number three, Mike Tomlin. Never a losing season since taking over for Bill Cowher in 2007. Uh, Tomlin has been the personification of consistency, excellence, humility. Um, he is one of the most liked coaches in the NFL. Um, you know, he kind of, I, Tomlin, in one way or the other, along with Gruden, who I know is controversial now, but they kind of ushered in that era of, you know, players, coaches. Um, you know, he was really young when he took over, became the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl, which Sean McVay has since uh, topped that record. Uh, two Super Bowl appearances. Never a losing season. He might have done his best coaching jobs over the past couple of years. Last year, you know, starting off so poorly at 1-3, and three, uh, they finished 9-7-1 to get into a wild-card spot. And then two a few years ago uh, when, you know, they lost Ben Roethlisberger for the year, and he dragged them to an 8-8 eight and eight record um, with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. So Mike Tomlin, um, great defensive mind, um, but trusts his guys and gets the absolute best out of all 53 guys that suit up. So uh, Mike Tomlin, future Hall of Famer, one of the very best coaches in the NFL today. Number two, Andy Reid. Um, Andy Reid's kind of had two careers in one. I mean, he was fantastic in Philadelphia, got them to a trillion consecutive NFC Championship games, got them to a Super Bowl. Um, they were a perennial playoff team. They were one of the powerhouses in the NFC uh, in his time there. And then obviously, um, you know, at the end it got bad and they moved on to Kansas City. And then in the past few years, um, they have been the embodiment of just pure excellence and domination uh, in the NFL. Two Super Bowl appearances already with the Chiefs, a Super Bowl win, that elusive Super Bowl win for Andy Reid and the Chiefs uh, a few years ago. Um, And look, this might be somewhat of a gap year. Uh, You look at what, you know, the pieces that they lost, they lost Tyra Matthew, they lost Tyreek Hill via trade. Um, They've got a lot of different guys uh that will make up their team this year but patrick mums is still there travis kelsey is still there um and then we got uh eric reed or i'm sorry andy reed and eric Bieniemy still on that coaching staff it's uh they're gonna be fine they're still gonna be a playoff team they're still gonna be like nobody's gonna want to go to arrowhead in january um so andy reed he gets the absolute best out of his guys fantastic play designer uh fantastic uh, offensive innovator offensive mind future hall of famer without a doubt and one of the best coaches in the NFL. And the number one, you can still say Bill Belichick is the best coach in the league. Um, and I wouldn't really argue that if you want to say that Andy Reid or Mike Tomlin is number one, wouldn't really argue with that either. Um, this is going to be a really interesting year for the Patriots. Um, you know, having Matt Patricia call plays is certainly something, isn't it? Um, but look, we'll see. Belichick gets the best out of everybody. And that's an understatement. Um Nothing I say will be news or new to hear from anybody. I mean, the past 20 years, you know, with New England, they've had two, you know, dynastic runs uh, in the early 2000s and then in the late 2010s. Belichick is, he's undoubtedly the greatest coach in NFL history. He's got a trillion Super Bowl rings. And then, you know, going into last year where, okay, everybody thought Cam Newton was going to be the starter. He just outright cuts Cam Newton. And then they roll and get into the playoffs with rookie Mac Jones. Um, it speaks to how how great Belichick is, the attention to detail, and getting every ounce of anything you can get out of any player. Look at what they were working with last year in offense. It was Mac Jones, tight ends, you know Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. No really star running backs, no star receivers. Defensively, they're pretty old. Like it was. I don't know how they got to the playoffs. If they don't have Bill Belichick, they probably don't. So. He's the greatest coach of all time for a reason. And um, there's no really denying that. So that is my top 10 coaches list in comparison to that of pro football focus. And again, whatever algorithm they use or however the hell they did it, whatever, you know, they, uh, Matt Verterham and, uh, Mike Tanner today on stacking the box. were are talking about it. And Tanya made a great point saying, you know, every, we're, let's just start doing lists because that's the only thing that gets attention at this time. You're not the hard work that everybody else puts in at great sites. Um, you know, like football outsiders or the things that Matt does at fan which I mean, they get attention on their own, right? But nothing gets this national attention like lists. And so maybe he's got a point there and I just gave them 20 minutes. <laughs> so, Congratulations, pro football focus. Um, so yeah, that is my top 10 list of NFL head coaches today. Now, the other part of this, and I tweeted it out when I said, okay, you know, this is what we're gonna do tonight. Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about the, the Miami Dolphins for a minute because this is a team that is getting a lot of attention for the noise that they've made this offseason. And rightfully so. I mean, when you're a team that does all of the things that Miami did this offseason, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of attention. So let's let's talk about them. You know, last year started off one and seven. It was miserable. They lost a few close games, they lost to Atlanta, they lost to the urban Meyer led Jaguars in London on a last second field goal. Um, so yeah, they were rock bottom uh, throughout the first half of the season. And then they rattle off eight or seven consecutive wins. Finished the year at nine and eight, just a game outside, of, or half game outside of the wild card because Pittsburgh uh, went nine, seven, and one. So they finished just outside of the wild card. Um, but let's, let's add a little bit of context to that. Let's uh, let's remember who they beat in that stretch. And look, seven wins consecutively in the NFL. It's hard to do. I get it. No matter who you play, it's not an easy thing to accomplish. However, there are different levels to the impressiveness of it. You know, if you rattle off wins against the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Ravens uh, when they're at full strength, um, just the powerhouses of the league, that's one thing. However, the Dolphins were beating the likes of the Ian Book-led Saints, the Texans, uh, Baltimore when they were absolutely mutilated on both sides of the ball. Um. So it's good to add context to these things. And uh, I'm actually going to pull up their their entire schedule last year because I don't want to misquote anything uh, or get any games wrong. So we'll go in order on of who they all beat, who all they beat. So if this loads, all right, that's 2022. Journalism at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. All righty, here we go. All right, so they start off the year, they start off one no. They beat New England week one in an ugly game. And then they they lose to Buffalo, 35-0. That was the game that Tua got hurt, and they practically had Jacoby Brissett that entire game. Uh, they lose in overtime to Vegas, uh, 31-28, 27-17 the Colts. They get humiliated by Tampa Bay, 45-17. They lose on the last second field to Jacksonville 23-20. They lose, I believe, on another last second field to Atlanta at home, 30 to 28. And then they lose to Buffalo again in the rain 26-11. And then they start this win streak, right? So 17-9 over Houston, who were the consensus worst team in the league coming into the year last year. So that's not exactly an impressive win. 17-9. Uh, they beat Buffalo. I'm sorry, they beat Baltimore on Thursday night. And again, um Offensively, Baltimore didn't adjust to what the Dolphins were doing. They were just sending pressure every play, sending five, six guys. Baltimore couldn't answer it. Um, So, I mean, it was great and everything. However, you know, Baltimore was also without their two star cornerbacks, all of their running backs. God only knows who the hell Lamar was throwing to, not named Hollywood Brown or Mark Andrews. And look, that's fine. You don't pick who you play. I get it. However, Context is still a thing. So they beat Baltimore. By the way, also on a short week. So uh, then they beat the Jets, the Jets who were really bad last year. And I believe that Zach Wilson didn't play that game because he was hurt. And it was either Joe Flacco, Mike White, whoever, the, whoever they were starting at the time, it wasn't Zach Wilson. And even if it was Zach Wilson, I know he finished off the really strong. And I think he's going to play well this year. Zach Wilson was bad in the early part of last year and, and before he got hurt. So it's not as if beating the Jets is exactly a you know something big to hang your hat on. Um, and then they beat the Carolina Panthers, who <laughs> that was the game where Cam Newton looked like me playing quarterback. I think Cam Newton completed, like, what, 4 of 90 that day? <laughs> oh, my God, Cam Newton was god-awful that day. Ugh. So 33 to 10 over... The practically Jarrett Bailey led Carolina Panthers that day. You could have started the ball boy for Carolina. It would have been a better idea than starting Cam Newton. Jesus wept. So 33 to 10 over (laughs) the garbage can led Carolina Panthers. And then I'm sure somehow Cam Newton found a way to blame a woman afterwards. Oh, goodness. And then they beat the Giants who were led by Mike Glennon. Huzzah. They beat the Giants 20 to 9. The Mike Glennon led Giants. Is there an easier stretch at any point in the season for any team than going from Cam Newton from what he was last year to Mike Glennon, who has a legitimate argument for being the worst quarterback to ever start a game in NFL history? That's that's a gift. Then they had their bye week, and then they beat the Jets again by a touchdown. And then they beat Ian Book on Monday night football. Those are the quarterbacks, by the way, like look at who they're playing. The ghost of Cam Newton, who looked like a ball boy last year, Mike Glennon, who's nine feet tall and stinks. Um, The Jets twice. At least one of those was without Zach Wilson. Ian book, who was, I think the saints took him in the fourth round at a Notre Dame. And that was his first career start. And then I think on the first drive, he threw a pick six. And then, so the game against New Orleans, that was the seventh game in their seven game win streak. And then they get absolutely destroyed by the Tennessee Titans, 34 to three. And then they beat New England for the second time. However, New England had a lot fall their way last year too. And they turned out to be somewhat of a sheep in wolves clothing, as we saw in their wildcard game against Buffalo. Um, and I think new England's going to take a big step back this year as well. So this is all to say that the dolphins, yes, they won seven games. Yes. That's very hard to do in the NFL. However, when it's against Davis mills, Lamar Jackson, throwing to me, whoever in God's name played, that wasn't Zach Wilson, whether it was Joe Flacco, Mike white, whoever, I think Josh Johnson was on the roster at one point last year too. (laughs) <laughs> Cam Newton going four for 90 for 13 yards. I actually want to see if I can bring up the box score to that because I'm having too much fun just laughing at that. And then they beat Mike Glennon. And then they have their bye. Then they beat the Jets again. And then they beat Ian Book. And then they get dismantled by the Titans. And then they beat a New England team who got a little bit of, you know, the luck of the draw in terms of who they played, how their season went out. And then they got dismantled when they finally played Buffalo in a game in Buffalo that wasn't in a wind tunnel. I mean, good Lord. Let's pump the Brit. Now look, not to mention the fact this front office, Stephen Ross and everybody fire Brian Flores after he gets them Two consecutive winning seasons, something they haven't done since 2002 and 2003. Now they bring in Mike McDaniel, but we don't know how good of a head coach Mike McDaniel is. He was only an offensive coordinator for one year and then spent the previous few years as the running game coordinator for the 49ers. You have Jalen Waddle. You bring in Tyreek Hill. That's great. Defensively, they're really solid. A few years ago, they led the the league in takeaways. Xavier Howard was really good. Byron Jones is really good. But do I think that they're – who expects them – who expects Tua to keep up with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, the entire AC West, not to mention Josh Allen, who – they haven't beat Buffalo since 2018. Josh Allen has been their metaphorical father. He has owned Miami since he came into the league. That isn't going to stop this year. The Bills got better, and the Dolphins are, we'll see. That is. I don't think they're beating Buffalo this year. Now, can they beat New England and New York? Yes. Those are four winnable games. Do I think they'll win all four? No. But can they, at minimum, split those? Yes. They can, at minimum, split with the Patriots and the Jets. That is fair. But what happens when defenses just sit on short routes and just say you are not going to throw it over the middle five yards downfield and let tyree kill run for 30 throw it over the top and beat us good luck can tua do it because if he can't then that is going to make the dolphins so one-dimensional and their offense is going to be absolutely stagnant because if tua can't throw it over the top consistently and if they can't open up the offense to be able to incorporate you know, some of the West Coast stuff, but also have Tua just unload it downfield, teams could just sit on that. It's like, okay, throw it to Tyreek Hill. He's not getting more than six yards. That's your passing game. Good luck. We will sit here. We will wait. You will get four yards a pass. Eventually, you're going to have to try to go over the top to get a first down. Good luck. Good luck. They're basically banking... On Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill being the yards after catch kings, which, by the way, I mean it's not a horrible bet to make. Both of them are really fast. Obviously, Tyreek is the fastest guy in the league. Jalen Waddle proved to be really good, but if teams like just start saying like, "Look, you're not gonna throw it underneath. You're not doing it. We're taking this away. And if you do, it's not going to be for a lot of yards. You got to go over the top." That's not as if they got an elite running back. They've got Waddle Hill, Mike Kosicki's a nice tight end, and their offensive line is still very suspect. What about that says, yes, playoff team. Not so much in the fact that their front office is a dumpster fire who got rid of a coach who did something that hasn't been done in the franchise for 20 years. Great job, guys. Fantastic and plus they spent all of last season making it pretty known that they wanted Deshaun Watson instead of Tua that was a whole thing you remember a whole thing where every other day it was something new came out like all right they want to trade Tua for a bag of doritos they just want they just don't want them <laughs> just want to get them out and it doesn't help when Justin Herbert is already in the elite quarterback conversation. He's not in the conversation. Justin Herbert is a star. He is fantastic. And Joe Burrow just went to a Super Bowl. He looks like the odd man out in that and the among those three guys. Those are the big three of the 2020 quarterback class. And he is absolutely easily the worst. So far. So far. I don't think he's gonna be Herbert. I don't think he's gonna be Burrow. I don't think it's gonna be Mahomes, Josh Allen. I don't think it's gonna be any of those guys. I think we've kind of seen what Tua is. He's slightly more athletic, Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, can you win games with that? Yeah, they're 13 and 8 with him under center. They can you can win games with Tua. But how far can you go? Because let's look at this year's schedule for them because. It's not a cakewalk. I promise you that. The schedule for the Dolphins this year. First of all, they open with a brutal stretch and they close with an even more brutal stretch. The middle of their their schedule is doable, but on both ends, horrible. So they'll start at home against New England again. double game. Then they go to Baltimore, home for Buffalo, at Cincinnati, at the Jets versus Minnesota. Again, the most winnable games there are New England and the Jets, but even then, the Jets are better. Minnesota's going to be fighting for a division title. They got better. Their offense is ungodly good. They just added Z'Darrius Smith to come off the edge with Daniel Hunter. So they're going to be better. There's one, at maximum, there's two wins that I see in the first six games for them. And then this is where the middle part of their schedule gets better. They host Pittsburgh, which is a winnable game for them. At Detroit is winnable. At Chicago, both of those are winnable. Cleveland, I mean, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but the more stuff that comes out, I mean, it looks as if the league is going to have to do something and he might not play this season. So if Deshaun Watson isn't there, then that's a pretty winnable game for the Browns or for the Dolphins. Then they have their bye week and then they play Houston week 12. So that five game stretch, if they can rattle off, Four go four and one in that stretch, which I mean, I think Pittsburgh will be good. I don't know if they'll beat Pittsburgh, um, but they can beat Detroit, even though Detroit will be better. I think they should beat Chicago. Chicago's going to be vying for the first for the number one overall pick. If Deshaun Watson isn't there, they can beat Cleveland, they can beat Houston. So that's three four wins, but (laughs) weeks 13 to 18 for the Dolphins at San Francisco, at the Chargers at Buffalo from weeks 13 to 15 who the hell did they piss off and then they host the Packers go to New England close with the Jets weeks 13 to 18 I see maybe two wins and again that's New England and the Jets they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna beat the 49ers they're not beating the Chargers they're not beating Buffalo they are not beating Green Bay and again they might beat New England they might beat the Jets I see maximum seven wins for the Dolphins this year, maximum. I do not think that. You look at how deep the AFC is right now. The AFC West is going to be—they're going to one of them is going to get poached off just from playing in the division. If the Raiders played in any other division that's a playoff team, I think they're going to be the odd man out. But any other division that's a playoff team, so they're good. But the other three—Chiefs are going to be a playoff team. Denver's going to be a playoff team. Chargers going to be a playoff team. AFC North. Baltimore is going to be better. Cincinnati's still good. I think Pittsburgh's still going to fight for a wild card spot. Cleveland, ginormous wild card. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Even then, they still got a good roster that they could still be competitive. I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but they can still be competitive with whomever they would. If Baker Mayfield plays again, or if they trade for a guy. Um, and then AFC South, it'll be you know Indianapolis and Tennessee. But even then, right there, that's you know the entire AFC West. Basically all the AFC North right there. That's eight. I don't think they're better than any teams in those divisions. They're not better than Indy or Tennessee. So that's 10. They're at best of the 11th best team in their own conference right now. So yes, Tyreek Hill is there. Great. We've seen over the years that having a star receiver doesn't make you an elite team. Ask Julio Jones. Ask Larry Fitzgerald. Ask those two guys what it means to be an elite receiver. How much that helped them win games. Sure as hell didn't. Julio Jones and Larry Fitzgerald had plenty of god-awful years. Or on god-awful teams. Not themselves. You know, they were always fantastic. But they were on plenty of horrible teams. Plenty of horrible teams. This is all going to come down to Kentua develop a consistency of throwing the ball down the field and if you can look look they could probably win nine games ten games maximum ten games and maybe be in the wild card hunt it's going to depend on him but right now at best they are the 11th best team in that conference and i do not think they're going to be a playoff team and look if they aren't if he struggles they're going to have serious questions to ask themselves this offseason because if he can't take a leap from serviceable starter to, okay, that's our franchise guy. We've seen that teams are impatient anymore. They can go try to find another one and cut their losses. So a lot of pressure on Miami Dolphins, a lot of pressure on Tua Tagovailoa. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we'll do this again soon, uh, later on in the week. Go follow me on Twitter at JBLNFL. No notes. Yes, no notes is making its debut next week. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select and Fightful.com will be the first guest. Uh, if you didn't see it, basically the premise of the show is I uh, sit down with people, um, you know, sports, broadcasting, entertainment, whatever. And it's just guys talking. There's no research, no notes. Um, just kind of talking about life a little bit, talking about how we got where we are. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So Sean Ross Sapp, uh, if you like wrestling, you know who Sean Ross Sapp is. Uh, he's the biggest name in wrestling media right now. Um, Fantastic, great dude I'm excited to actually sit down with him Um, Haven't actually sat down with Sean before So this will be fun Um, Sat in for him once uh, With Kate, uh, if you remember On the uh, Smackdown and Rampage post show So that was a lot of fun Uh, So I'm excited, you know, he lets me do stuff for him Which I'm very grateful for Excited to actually uh, sit down with him and talk to him So that'll be a lot of fun So go follow the No Notes pod on Twitter as well Follow the Pump Fake pod on Twitter So many things to follow um, so, yeah, at J. Bailey NFL, you'll get all the details from everything going on there as well. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. I'll see you soon on the 900 shows I'm doing now. So, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to The Bump Bank. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.